0: Good morning, everyone. My name's Lucinda, and I'm going to be reading um, the Bible f- with us for us this morning. Uh, but first, before we do that, um, if you would please pray with me. Loving God, we live in a world where false idols are all around us. We know that you are the creator of all things, the one true God who gives life and breath to everything. Help us to be eager each day to deepen our knowledge of you. Open our hearts and minds to your word that we may focus on the truth in the midst of all the distractions of our world. Forgive us for all the times we stray off the path, allowing idols to take our attention. Guide us back to you and help our lives to be a reflection of your love and grace, so that others may want to learn more about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our reading today is Acts 17, and we're reading from verses 16 through 234. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, marketplace day by day, with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history And the boundaries of their lands. God did this so they would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. by the man he has appointed he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead when they heard about the resurrection of the dead some of them sneered but others said we want you we want to hear you again on this subject at that paul left the council some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others.
1: Well, good morning everyone, how are we doing? Good, good, good. If you're visiting here with us, my name is James, I'm the minister here at Living Church. And I've been telling people as we've been working through this series that if you are visiting with us and you're not following Jesus, this is a little bit like coming behind the counter at your favorite cafe where you're seeing how the coffee is made. Because this whole series that we're working on is for us as a church community to get better at telling people about Jesus and the good news. But we really don't mind inviting you behind the counter because... As you do that, and you see more of this thing uh, that we call faith, and uh, you learn more about the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, it doesn't really matter if you know how we put things together to tell you about it, the message is so good, the product, uh, so to speak, is so good, that it is worth engaging with whichever way. So welcome, uh, and it's great to have you here with us if you are visiting. And then we've been talking about how as a church community, and I'm going to give sort of a bit of an extended recap over the last couple of weeks here so we're all on the same page, uh, that our vision here at Living Church is to be an ever-growing community of people who love the Lord and one another. And when we talk about growing, what we mean is growing in number as well as growing in maturity as faithful followers of Jesus. And we've looked at the scriptures to back that up. And our mission is to make Christ like disciples in southeast Brisbane and beyond because we see from the earliest days of the church that the church was focused on going and making disciples in accordance with Jesus' command. That was their practice, and it was the love of Christ that compelled them to go forth and do so. Jesus had made such a significant difference in their lives. Their understanding of being rescued from sin was so deep and so great that they too wanted to go forth and be ministers, servants of the Lord Jesus, and tell people about what he had done. And so we as a church family here at Living Church want to get better at telling people about Jesus because it's through that that people are saved, that they too can be forgiven, that they too can know the love of Christ that compels us to live the way that we do. So all this year, we're making this our point of emphasis through our training stuff, through Sundays, in all sorts of different ways. This is what we're focusing on as a church this year. We'll do it you know, year after year after year, but this year we're really focusing on improving our skills and learning how to do this better as a church family. We do this at all times, acknowledging that it's God who brings the growth. While we might sow the seed, while we might water the seed of the word of God, as we tell people about the good news of Jesus, we know that ultimately it's not the one who plants, nor the one who waters, but only God who makes things grow. And so we recognize that above all, God is the one who brings growth to his church. God is the one who brings transformation to a person's heart and grows them into maturity. But we can improve our methods and processes, and so we've been working through this really helpful book uh, by Sam Chan, uh, who was in Sydney and has been in the States and done a whole bunch of different work telling people about Jesus, looking at these concepts of merging universes, going to people's things, and today we're going to look at this idea of layers of conversation. But again, just to set that up, let me briefly recap uh, where we've been so far. So with merging uh, universes, we've been talking about how telling people about Jesus is a community project. It's not just something that we go off and do as solo people doing individual efforts where we've got to carry the load of of walking a person through from a lack of knowledge or a hostility towards God and then bringing them through all the different things ourselves where we have to be experts in all the different pieces and that sort of thing. Rather, we want to be part of a community who is working together. And it just so happens that not only did we see this in the scriptures, but the sociological evidence that we have these days helps us to realize that belonging to a community of faith is more persuasive than personal experience or even facts and data. We like to think in our contemporary individualistic Western world that, you know, when we make decisions, it's because we weigh up the evidence carefully, we think about our experiences and that sort of stuff. But the reality is the scientific evidence shows us that it's the community that you belong to that is much more significant in terms of what you actually believe and how you make decisions. So as Sam says in the book, one of the main reasons our friends aren't Christians is they don't belong to a community faith who also believe in Jesus. So for us to make the true story of Jesus as believable as possible, we need to merge our universes. The, the, the story of Jesus is true. There's lots of good objective evidence that points towards the reasonableness of faith, the evidence for the resurrection, the, the way that the church has spread through history. There's all sorts of good reasons to believe in Jesus, but if we are gonna do this well and see more people come to believe, having them come to belong to a community of faith is the best way to do it, and that means merging our universes, which basically means taking our non-Christian worlds and the relationships and friendships we have there and merging them with our faith-based worlds so that together we can form a community of people who know the Lord, people who don't, and we can learn and listen together. And then one of the best ways that we can start to do that, to merge universes, is for us to get out of our church world and after, out of our church bubble and go into people's thing, go to people's things deliberately in order to build relationships. So if we want people to come into our community, we have to go into this. And we saw last week that this is something that Jesus was doing continually. He was always being invited into places and then going into the spaces of people that some were his friends and some were even those that were antagonistic or hostile towards him. So we see the example of how the Pharisees would invite invite Jesus into his home and Jesus would go. Now, we know that Jesus didn't always love the Pharisees that much. Okay, that sometimes maybe some of the Pharisees invited him, he was like, ugh, not Dave. I really <laughs> wish I could get out of this one today. Uh, but he went. And the, the amazing thing is that as he went into these people's homes, that often extraordinary things happened in those spaces. And oftentimes he didn't have an opportunity to teach the Pharisees or to minister to other people who were there. He would go into these places. And it's funny because as he did so, the Pharisees, the religious people, they would ask him questions like, why are you doing this? Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why are you always hanging out with these people that aren't godly like we are? You know, and I assume that's how the Pharisees talk. I don't know if they did or not. There's no accents in the Bible, but I assume it was like that. Uh, this sort of arrogant questioning, why do you hang out with these ungodly people? Because we wouldn't do that. But Jesus says, I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. And we looked at how in this verse there's this tension, right? Jesus would hang out with those people who didn't follow the religious rules, the people who didn't know God, the people who were sinful. He would be with them, and yet he could still call them sinful. That him being amongst them didn't mean that he was accommodating to ungodly choices. It didn't mean that he was endorsing the things that were necessarily happening there. But Jesus' approach was, no, I need to go to the people and be with the people who need the good news that I've come to bring. And so the Jesus existed in this, t- this, this tension of being invited into a place, being able to say, you're sinful, and yet being invited back because his presence and the love that he showed, even while preaching the message that he had, was something that they welcomed because they knew that he loved them. And he did this so much. This is one of my favorite bits about it. He did this so much that people would say, you're a glutton and a drunkard. You've been hanging out with the ungodly and just eating with them all the time. You're a drunk. I said that was my new life motto to at some point be called a glutton and a drunkard because I'm hanging out uh, with people who don't love Jesus so much. You you too can embrace that. Just feel free. It's all all good. But this thing is that it, it pushes us to get out of our religious bubbles to get out of our own world and to get into these spaces where people who don't know Jesus are in order that we can tell them the good news that we have. And so it's no surprise that the early church, after Jesus' death and resurrection, they went, they go and make disciples. When Jesus said, go and make disciples, that made sense to them because that's all they'd seen him doing is going into places, walking, traveling, in order to tell people the good news of the kingdom. So we need to be willing to go into all these different places. We need to go to people's things in order that they might be willing to come into our spaces so we can merge universes together. And we talked about some practical things that we could do. You know, Australia is a land of clubs. Get involved with rosters. Get involved in the level that you can. If you can't find a club for the thing that you're interested in, look, I'm not sure if I can help you. Okay. Like, you know, last week, growth group, uh, I won't say who, but somebody said, oh, I'm actually part of a have a pen club, like people who really love fountain pens. And then she was like, and you know what? We've hooked up with these people that love journaling, and they have a journal club, and now the people in the journal club are joining the pen club because it's really fun to journal with a fountain pen.
0: <laughs>
1: and I was like, you guys are merging universes, and you didn't even know it. Like that's, that's just what you're doing, okay? And so there's all these different things that we can be involved in an opportunity to build bridges, build relationship, get involved in schools and community hubs and all this sort of stuff in a loving and respectful way. Okay, this is one of the things we're going to be talking about today. We're not going in there and kicking in the door in these places and bashing people across the face with the Bible and saying, I want to tell you about the Lord. That's not what we're talking about. Okay, we're talking about being loving presences that are willing to serve people where we speak truth, but in a way that's going to be received well and accepted. So basic idea, Jesus hung with sinners to tell them about the kingdom of God. We should too. And typically, telling people about Jesus well means being good friends and good community members. And then finally we talked about as an encouragement, it's good for us to remember the growth of the kingdom of God is typically gradual growth over time. So we looked at Jesus' teaching briefly on how the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Tiny little thing, but over time, it grows and becomes the largest of the garden plants. Birds come and dwell in it. And the idea of yeast, again, which works on such a microscopic level, we can't even see what's happening, but eventually (laughs) it permeates the whole dough and leads to growth there also. And that's really what, you know, I want to just encourage you guys with it. You know, I shared last week as we talked about merging universes, some of the conversations that have been taking place and that sort of thing. I really just want to emphasize this last part to you guys. As we're talking about all this stuff, As we're talking about what it means to to go to people's things and merge universes and all this sort of thing, you guys, all right, and I'm totally generalizing here. We don't all fit into this bucket, but it's a big part of our culture here. As a church, we are doers. We do things. Most of you guys have pretty full plates. You have different sized plates, okay? Some of you are 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 doing a lot of things because you've got a big plate. Some of you are doing a lot because you've got a small plate, but either way, a lot of you guys feel like your plate is full. And so we talk about this sort of stuff, we talk about merging universes and going to their things, and it just seems like, oh my goodness, this is, this is so much. And for lots of us, the reason that we've sort of maybe pulled back from telling people about Jesus is we're just doing so much other stuff, it doesn't feel like we've got the, the time to do it well. But what we want to be sort of reframing things in terms of, if this is a community project, if we're all doing a little bit, then we can see great growth over time we're not looking to rush in there and try and bring radical, amazing transformation. Sometimes God does that. And if he starts to do that, man, we will work with it. We will try and catch up with what he wants us to do. But for the most part, we just want to be faithful, week in, week out, make the small choices, do the little things, being intentional consistently, that over time won't make a big difference. It's like, you know, we're talking about the difference between exponential growth versus just like addition and that sort of thing. That, that if we had, you know, five people become Christian last year at Living Church, okay, and next year we, we all just do a little bit, okay, we're going to see so much more happening as, as if it becomes a community thing where all of us is doing a little bit consistently. Over time, that's going to be way more growth than just some of us sort of rushing out there trying to do a little bit and, and adding on a little bit at a time. So I don't want, it, I don't want us to, to feel the burden of this in the sense that there's so much to do, we've got to do all quickly. no. No. Week in, week out, as we go about our stuff, let's be deliberate, intentional, prayerful, working our way into new rhythms so there's a community. We're doing all the things we need to do wisely and trust God for the growth. Now, that being said, okay, there are some skills in this that we can be learning as we go. And so once we go to their things, okay, once we begin to merge universes, how do we actually start to talk about Jesus, as we're building the relational stuff, as we're doing the good things on that side of things, uh, how do we then actually start to talk to people about Jesus? I mean, that's ultimately what preaching the gospel is, right? Jesus didn't just go to those things. He preached the kingdom of God. So to help us think about this a little bit, uh, I'm going to play two videos, okay? Uh, anybody watch the Super Bowl on Monday? Any American files that like me? Yeah, cool. We'll get some friends here. Nice. Uh, so anyway, the Super Bowl... You might have watched the game, but you might have caught some news about the ads, okay? Because there's always things about the Super Bowl ads. People spend millions and millions of dollars. And there was an ad that came out and got played during the Super Bowl uh, that was put <coughs> together by a group that wanted to talk about Jesus. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play that video. I'm going to let you just ruminate on that for a second. And then I'm going to play you a second video where some people thought, we don't like what you've done in that first video, or at least we don't like some parts. And so they did their own... You know version of what this is what we think it should have been okay so uh let's play the first one i'll give you a second then we'll think about the second one don't ask me
0: what you know is true don't have to tell you
1: i So that's the first one. Just take a moment, maybe reflect a little bit. Uh, what, do you, what do you like? What do you, do you, do you feel comfortable with it? Do you, do, you, do you, does it, is there something that's not quite uh, where you want it to be? Okay. Because some people felt like this wasn't what they thought it should be, and so they put together a very similar styled uh, sort of video, they did it very quickly. Okay, so, you know, is not quite, production value's not bad, but not quite the same level. They used the same song, okay. And we'll see what they did here. (laughs) Don't ask me
0: what you know is true, don't have to tell.
1: stay this is not a trick, okay, but I want to ask you, and again, this is a safe place, right, who prefers, I'm going to ask both ways, the first or the second, so hands up if you prefer the first video as a way to talk about Jesus, hands up high, don't be, don't be, don't be friends, look, you, you've got friends, okay, you're not the only ones, it's all right, you see all of a sudden people, they say, oh, there's more people raising their hand, cool, I can go high, all right, uh, and again, not a trick, who likes the second one? Prefer. Okay, good. All right, this is the point. Okay, both is fine. You're allowed to put your hand up for both. Good. Okay, man, these lawyers, right? They're always looking for a loophole. Man. You know what I'm um, <laughs> he didn't say you can't pick both. right? Uh, but thank you, Andrew. Uh, because this is the thing what I do want to say, Andrew, is both are actually helpful depending on who you're looking to speak to. Because the first video is clearly speaking to those who maybe feel as though the church is not for them, because they've been told that their life and all that sort of stuff puts them outside of the church, and they don't follow all of these religious rules and all that sort of stuff. And so what they need to know is, as a starting point, that Jesus taught Love. Let's make love the starting point for trying to have a conversation about Jesus. Remember, this is a commercial at the Super Bowl that was played to millions, hundreds of millions of people. It's not a dialogue. It's it's not a back and forth. It's not an in-depth thing. It's a conversation start, right? So some people want to start the conversation with the idea that Jesus wasn't teaching hate. He loves people. He washed feet. He accepted them. Now, can we poke holes in how, you know, that's not telling the whole story? Of course we can, but it's... It's one idea as a conversation starter. The second one is focusing on something different because I'm not sure that it's really speaking to those who feel rejected and marginalized by the church because it really clearly says to them that you have to leave your world to come and join us. Now... If you're a person that thinks that all those things are bad, that they're not good, if you're in a place where you don't want to be those things anymore, it could speak really powerfully to you. It promises that you could have transformation. But if you're in that place and you're not yet at a point where you actually don't love that life that you're living, I mean, maybe you need to know more about who Jesus is before you're being willing to listen to him challenge you on this sort of stuff. So I said, I'm, I'm not saying one is better than the other, what I'm, what I'm trying to get us to recognize is that it's speaking to different audiences. For some people, that first one didn't resonate. They're like, that's not how we should talk about the gospel. That's not how the best way to talk about Jesus. To which I'd say, well, you might be right with certain people. And so the question we have is, do we need to preach sin and salvation every time we talk about Jesus to be faithful evangelists? Because the criticism of the first one was that it's talking about loving people and that sort of stuff with no mention of sin or the problem. The second one says, no, there's problems with these things and we we need change and transformation. So we're going to just go through again the the reading the passage that Lucinda read for us and just sort of see what Paul does here to make some some points. So before we get there, uh, Paul was a guy that was willing to be flexible when it came to telling people about Jesus. It was actually a, a fundamental thing for him. He says this in 1 Corinthians. Though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. It's really strong language. I've made myself a slave to others. I'm a free person. I've been set free from sin. I'm free before God. I'm a slave to God. But I will make myself a slave to others to win as many as possible. That's how far he was willing to go to see people saved. He said, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Depending who I was with, i changed the way that I operate. i changed the way that I do things in order that I might proclaim the gospel to them. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. He's not saying I'm free from all morality and that sort of stuff. I follow the law of Jesus. I follow the law of love. But the key thing is, is that I will live in the freedom that I have, I'll be flexible, I'll become a slave to others in order that I might win those to Christ. And so when we see, when we read Acts 17, when Paul goes into uh, one town, so when he goes into Thessalonica, he does what he normally does, which is he goes to the synagogues first, the Jewish meeting place. And when he goes to the Jewish meeting place, what does he do? It says there, as it was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, so when the the religious Jews got together, he met with them, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, because that's what they knew and understood, and explained to them that Jesus is the Messiah, because that was a recognizable category. The Jewish people knew the Old Testament, they knew of the Messiah, they met together on holy days, and so Paul followed those customs and spoke to them through those ways, so that he could proclaim to them that Jesus is the Messiah. But then when he goes to Athens, he does something a little bit different. He starts in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, those people that weren't Jewish but had some knowledge of God. And then it says, as well as in the marketplace, which is where all the non-Christians were meeting day by day. And so they take him there. These people hear some of the stuff that he's saying, and they bring him to the main meeting place, the Areopagus. okay? And they say, can we know about this new teaching? You're saying some interesting things. We want to, we want to hear about it. And so Paul looks around, okay, and he, and, he, and he starts to share what he's observed in the city of Athens, this non-Jewish city. It says, people of Athens, I see that you're really very religious. You, get, you guys get religion. You get the spiritual. That's what he really means in this sense. Not legalistic rules, but, but you guys get that there are things that we worship. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. So you're not ignorant of the very thing you worship. So, so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. He looks around at their world. He takes examples from their con- culture and their context, and he says, "I've got something to say that speaks to something that you care about." And so he says, "For as I, uh, I'm going to, pro- and I'm going to proclaim this to you, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands, and He is not served by human hands as if He needed anything." Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. He frames God as the creator of all things. Every breath that you breathe, that's a gift to you from God. He's framing God right now, the unknown God that they've got a statue to, and saying he's not like all your other gods. He's the God over all things. He sort of explains that again, talks about, you know, how God's operated in history and this sort of stuff. But the key thing is, is that he wants them to understand is that, you know, even their own poets have got these sorts of ideas. For in him, we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. He quotes the voices of their day. He probably would have quoted in excess if he was uh, talking to us now. All right, These ideas all right, that they were familiar with, he leans into that from their own, doesn't go to the scriptures. He, he doesn't go to the Old Testament that these non-Jewish people didn't know. He leans into their own words of wisdom. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. He's not like all these other gods that you guys know about. He's different. He's something better. But here's what I want you to note. He says, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he has given proof to this to everyone by raising him from the dead. He talks about justice, but he frames it in terms of ignorance. He's not talking to them about sin, he's not talking about their failure to follow the law as such, at least not as the primary category. He talks about the fact that they don't know God. And God's kind of let this slide as his message. He hasn't called everyone to account. But a time has come when God is going to judge the world, not based on the law, but based on their ignorance and their lack of worship of him. So Paul's framing things in terms of language that they understand. He's talking to them about their need for Jesus. He's talking about the resurrection. But he's not framing it in categories like sin and the Messiah and the Old Testament, which they weren't familiar with. Now, when they heard about the resurrection, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again. Some reject him. Some are curious. But some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. They believed based on this sermon, where sin wasn't mentioned. Repentance is they need to change direction. But repentance isn't just a sin word. Repentance, you know, is this idea of changing direction. He says, you need to be transformed. There's a change that needs to happen. You need to start worshiping God. Sin wasn't this big category that had to be up front. Now, again, am I trying to diminish sin? Absolutely not. All right? We have to talk about that. That is the good news of the gospel that we've been set free from sin. What we can frame this is in terms of your ignorance of God, your lack of worship of God is sinful. We can get there. We We can talk about that as we go. But as far as every time we talk about Jesus, we don't need to say everything to be faithful. Paul himself said, you know, for somebody to be saved, all they need to do is declare with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Now, there's a heck of a lot more to the Bible than that. But that's what we need to be proclaiming, the lordship of Jesus in language that people understand. And so to help us do this, we're going to start now thinking about this idea of what we're going to call layers of conversation. Now, this, this is not something that we're going to pick up today, guys. I'm, I'm introducing an idea. So for some of you, you've heard about it before, actually. We've, we, you've done some parts of this previously, and that's great. But I'm just, I want to introduce this idea to you, and then I'm going to tell you how we're going to sort of try and advance this and learn about this more and more together as a church community over the coming months. So here's the basic idea, right? As uh, Tom uh, so brilliantly put forward uh, in his conversation with Nana uh, in Spotlight there, there's this idea of coffee, dinner, gospel. But really... Those are just visual pictures to help us understand these layers of conversation, which are basically talking about interests, talking about values, and then talking about our worldview. And again, because the the coffee, now, coffee, dinner, gospel is a helpful sort of memory tool, but that's not the key part, okay? If you're more of a beer, brisket, and Bible person, that's great, okay? Totally cool, all right? If you are, you know, a crochet coleslaw covenant, awesome, good on you, Okay? (laughs) Uh, Selena and I had some fun uh, trying to put it. It was mostly Selena, I think, that put the words together. She did a great job. Does all of our graphics. She had fun with this. Uh, So don't get hooked on coffee, dinner, gospel, all right? And let, you know, use that as the memory tool, but that's not the key idea here. The key idea is that we're working our way through different layers of, of conversation to help us understand how we can talk to people about Jesus in an effective way. So at the coffee or the interest level, okay, it's typically, it's an easy invite to say yes to. Do you want to get some coffee? Yeah, sure, no problem. Get coffee all the time. Great. Uh, it's public. It's normally out in sort of a safe space, that sort of thing. Uh, it's a safe conversation. Again, this is the sort of chat that we have with people in all sorts of different spaces. Uh, and Typically, we don't do disagreement or conflict. All right? it, it's, it's the simple everyday small talk stuff, right? What's anything good lately? What's happening at work? Crazy weather, huh? All right. For some of you, okay... You're, you, 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 you're, you're great at this. I watch some people do small talk, and I'm just blown away. My, my wife is so good at, at small talk and meeting new people and all that sort of stuff, okay? She's just, she's great at it. She smiles at them. She starts asking these questions and all this sort of thing, and then there's nothing special to it. but she's bright, she's friendly, she's interested, she's great. I'm like, I struggle with small talk. Like, I've got to, I've got to make my... I watch other people to see how they do small talk just so I can learn how to do small talk, Right, because that's not how I work. I'm always, I'm driving, I'm going, I'm doing, I've got something to go. Small talk. Who's got time for small talk, right? But this thing, we need to recognize that again. It's really embarrassing for us as Christians, but we need to learn how to make friends. All right, just how we actually do this on a relational level. So we, we take the time to have a chat with people, to, to, to get to know what their interests are, what, what sort of their world looks like. And as we do that, then we can actually move on to, you know, this more, the dinner space, which is really about values. So it's a bit bigger invitation, like you invite somebody back to your place for dinner, like they've got a, how far is it, you know, (laughs) there's a, there's a commitment there, fitting in the schedule, all that sort of stuff, gets a little trickier on that side. It's private, you, are coming into a a space that is a little bit more uh, secluded and that sort of thing. There's a potential, as you talk about values, for conflicting views, And, and safety has to be created deliberately. The, the presence of, of disagreement doesn't mean that it's unsafe, but you actually be much, have to be much more mindful about making it safe. So, you know, do you like league or AFL? Potential conflict, right? Uh, where are you sending your kids to school? Values, right? Oh, right. I, don't, I, didn't, I don't even want to sit, say one of them right now because somebody's going to get upset, right? So I'll just do both versions. Oh, homeschool, right? Yeah, cool. Oh, private school, huh? Yeah, okay. All right? Everyone offended equally now? Good. Um, <laughs> is the government doing a good job? Whoa. OK. Cool. Interesting. Maybe you don't lead with that. Uh, but this is the thing. As you get into these spaces, you, you start to open up a little bit more. You, you share your values and that sort of thing. You figure out, is there, are there common points of interest? Can we do this in a way that's actually helpful or, or positive for both of us? Some people love to disagree. Right? It's part of the fun. For some people, it's like, it's just, you know, you're not my people. It's too much. But then we can move on to a deeper level, if things are going well here, where we get to a, you know, this gospel sort of conversation of worldviews. So this is where relationship is established, okay? You know, you know each other. You can actually make statements of belief without being too worried about if this is going to end the relationship, because we've done some of the work already that shows that we like each other, we're committed to each other on some level, and we ask questions about the world and life. So things like, what's wrong with the world? Is there life after death? (coughs) Are people good or evil? Is there a spiritual world? These sorts of things that get to you know, these deeper questions, how do you actually see the world as a person? How do you live and interact with it? Now, again, it's really important that we need to understand that this, these all happen over seasons. Okay, we're not talking about like a three-week program here. This isn't something that just sort of happens. This is something that we deliberately create, especially because, again, all of us are busy. We've got full plates. The people that we're friends with, that we engage with, they're busy. They've got full plates. This isn't going to happen in like a three-week three burst of energy. This is going to be a consistent, deliberate, over-time thing where we just make this a part of what we're doing all the time, regardless of which sort of space we operate in. You might need to go coffee, beer, coffee, Crochet six times before you get to a space where, oh, coleslaw is now on the menu, so to speak. But that, that's the way that we, we do this, we, we mindfully, deliberately do it over time. And if you want to know the, the, the key to moving things forward, it, it's really about paying attention <laughs> and listening. It's, again, it's about being deliberate in what we're doing. So. A couple of examples of how if you're paying attention, you can make a transition from one sort of conversation into another, all right? Because sometimes there might be opportunities to go quick. Some people just like to open up quicker. That's cool. Uh, so somebody says, uh, we had my mother's funeral a couple of weeks back. Okay, they've shared something that happened. It's at the interest level. They've just told me about a thing that happened. But if I ask the question, oh, how are you feeling about that? Now we, we're shifting into more of a values conversation, right? Somebody mentions, you know, we worked in the house on the weekend, just telling us about what they did on the weekend. We can say, do you do a lot of work on the house? Fine, oh, you know, just what we have to. You say, you know, oh, why is that? Like, is house not a big, home not a big thing for you guys or the, the building or do you guys, are you busy? Like, now, you, now we're getting into why you live the way that you do. That's a values-based question. Sometimes it's really easy to go from the values to the worldview stuff when people find out that you're a Christian, Right? You know, when somebody says, you go to church, right? Yep, sure do. Uh, And then they might say, so what do you think about the new Super Bowl ad? Well, they've just taken you into the worldview. They've just given you a complete opportunity for you to talk about how you see the world and what you think about the gospel and the good news of Jesus and all that sort of stuff. That's a front door for you just to walk all the way through. But sometimes you can take it there yourself. So if somebody says, it's horrible how the big banks treat people. Do you think it's a big bank problem or a people problem? Well, I have just invited you to go deeper and to think about human nature and, and how the world works and maybe I'll have an opportunity to, to share back and, and we can talk about that a little bit together. So there's all these sorts of things that if we're listening well, if we're paying attention, there's all sorts of questions that we can ask to get people to open up, to talk about their values, to talk about what they believe, to talk about how they see the world. Now again, I told you, if you're visiting here with us, you're way behind the counter now, right? But again, I don't mind because this is the thing. We're not trying to manipulate or trick anybody with this sort of stuff. We're just trying to start conversations so we can tell you about the good news of Jesus in a way that we hope will be helpful for everyone. Now, like I said, guys, I'm just introducing this as an idea. We're going to do... Oh, sorry, i keep it up. I just saw a camera going up to try and take some photos there. Uh, In order to help us get better at this, because this is a skill thing, uh, our ministry and equipping training uh, session for term one is going to be on this very topic. How do we work through layers of conversation? We're going to do some practical stuff, we're going to do some case studies, we can do some back and forth, we're going to do some hands-on concrete learning in this space to try and help us, you know, kickstart our skills in this space. There's no substitute for just trying it and doing it yourself, but at the same time it's helpful for us to do some stuff where we actually get a chance to practice this ourselves. Uh, just so you know, the Saturday, that is a typo. Uh, it's not a 13 and a half hour training. <laughs> I did notice that right before we went up. Uh, that's actually for the hardcore people that really want to grow in the faith. Uh, that's for you. Uh, yeah. All right. Now, I know we're going a little bit long, but let me just uh, share a few more thoughts here before we finish up, guys. Uh, you might there's there's something else just to observe here with all these different ways of operating things that Sam Chan calls the secret source of evangelism. And if you oops, I've given away the key word. Uh, if you've looked at all the things here, you'll notice how often we're sitting around with food and drink, right? There's just something about when we actually as people get together with food and drink that just makes conversation so much easier. Have you ever been at a party and like you're the only person in a circle that doesn't have a drink in your hands? And you're like, where do I even, you know? Everyone else is just, and then as soon as, they, as, soon as you go a drink, you're like, yeah, I feel so much better now. <laughs> you know? It, it's this weird dynamic where, This is just how it works. So really, in lots of ways, hospitality is is another key to deepening layers of conversation. For time's sake, I won't spend a lot of time on this, but look, it's mentioned in almost every book of the New Testament, okay? We see it again and again. We're exhorted to keep on showing hospitality to one another. It's a good practice for brothers and sisters in Christ to share, but we also notice that even though we're exhorted to do this, that there were (coughs) lots of opportunities where Jesus, because of the hospitality of others, was invited into places where he had a chance to talk to them about the kingdom of God. And i can just just your attention. There's lots of things that we do here at church specifically to create this sort of space. There's a reason that we do dinner on Friday. There's a reason that we have morning tea. There's, there's a reason why with all of this, with playtime that we've got food and snacks and all this sort of stuff, When we get our youth together on Sunday afternoons, we have them do food together first. It's because it's in these spaces that all this sort of conversation just flows much easier. So... Like I said, we're just sort of introducing these ideas. We're going to be working on this stuff through our Bible telling story workshop, through the ministry equipping and training nights. We're going to be developing our skills in this space. But again, guys, this is the sort of stuff that we just need to make a part of how we live. As we've said through this entire thing, evangelism, telling people about like Jesus, it's a lifestyle change. It's, just, it's doing the right things consistently Over time, the small things that, in time will make a big difference. Not all of us are going to get to be heroes in this space. Not all of us are going to have incredible stories. Some of us will. We're going to celebrate them. We're going to put people up front as we hear more and more stories. We're going to share with you some of the stories of people that come to have known the Lord here at Living Church. But most of us won't have a hero story. But what we will have is a contribution to a culture where we're all doing this and believing it together. Consistent, week in, week out, sowing the seed, trusting God for the growth. So let's pray now for him to move in our midst so we might see many more people come to know the Lord Jesus here at Living Church. Father God, thank you so much for the privilege that it is to get to sow the seed of your word. We pray, Father, that we'd be really wise in the way that we do it. That we'd follow the example of Jesus as as we go to people's things and follow the example of Paul where we're flexible to, to try and figure out the best way to talk about you in a way that's going to connect with people and help them to understand what's what's the deal with everything that you've done for them, why it matters so much. (coughs) We pray, Father, that uh, we'd be committed to upskilling ourselves, to learning some of these ways that we can interact and relate with people. But, Father, wherever we're at with this, whether this feels intimidating, whether this feels like something we're super excited about, just help us all, Lord, to be deliberate and intentional and prayerful about being on mission more and more about living a lifestyle of evangelism, where this is something that means so much to us because of the love of Christ that compels us to go forward, that we would simply be seeking opportunity all the time to build relationship, to love people, to merge universes, in order that we might go deeper with people and tell them the good news of Christ. And we pray, Father, that as we do this, that you would grow your kingdom, that many more people would come to know you the way that we do, That we'd see many more people reconciled to you, knowing the fullness of all they were created to be. And that we might love you together as one people in your name. Amen.